you would turn to Proverbs 31. Proverbs 31. If you do not have your own Bible, you can pick up the Pew Bible in front of you, and it's page 552. We'll begin reading this morning in verse 10. An excellent wife, who can find? She is far more precious than jewels. The heart of her husband trusts in her, and he will have no lack of gain. She does him good and not harm all the days of her life. She seeks wool and flax and works with her willing hands. She's like the ship of the merchant. She brings her food from afar. She rises while it is yet night and provides food for her household and portions for her maidens. She considers a field and buys it. With the fruit of her hands, she plants a vineyard. She dresses herself with strength and makes her arms strong. She perceives that her merchandise is profitable. Her lamp does not go out at night. She puts her hands to the distaff and her hands hold the spindle. She opens her hand to the poor and reaches out her hands to the needy. She is not afraid of snow for her household, for all her household are clothed in scarlet. She makes bed coverings for herself. Her clothing is fine linen and purple. Her husband is known in the gates when he sits among the elders of the land. She makes linen garments and sells them. She delivers sashes to the merchant. Strength and dignity are her clothing. And she laughs at the time to come. She opens her mouth with wisdom and the teachings of kindness is on her tongue. She looks well to the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children rise up and call her blessed. Her husband also, and he praises her saying, many women have done excellently, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceitful. And beauty is vain. But a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Give her of the fruit of her hands and let her works praise her in the gates. Let's pray together. God, we ask now that you would come and speak through your word to us. That we might take to heart the truth of it and be changed as a result. We pray in Jesus' name. And for his sake. Amen. You may be seated. Now the passage of scripture that I've chosen today to go through, I know probably in your own mind seems a bit unusual. I mean, after all, the last couple of years we've had the most logical of passages to look at. We've looked at motherhood and demon possession. We've looked at uh, Happy Mother's Day and Pass the Hammer. With J.L. from the book of Judges that she tent-pegged Sisera in the head. But we look at this passage this morning. And I've waited for four years to look at this text with you. And there's a reason for that. It's probably one of the most preached passages of scriptures on Mother's Day. But sometimes it can be one of the most discouraging passages on Mother's Day. The way that many of us... and Uh, my calling, preach this passage, we we like to sometimes give this list of responsibilities and and duties that all women should somehow be able to fit into their busy schedule and perform all of these things. And if they do all of this stuff, then they're the excellent wife that the text is talking about. I mean, look at this passage. 
to do all of the things that she does. It's almost impossible. It's amazing all the things that she does. She makes her family's clothing. Now some of you do sewing, but makes all of the clothing that your family wears. She makes all of the family's clothing. She, she cooks, she cleans, she's into real estate. Craft shows, social ministry, seamstress, counselor. I mean, this woman, she does it all. She's incredible. And of course, she doesn't sleep at night. Remember, the lamp doesn't go out. She doesn't go to bed. One the mistake that many preachers make is that they assume that this description of a woman is, is the model of what a normal Jewish woman would do. And as a result, then we, we take that and we put it on Christian women. This is what normal Christian women ought to do. Well, that's not just, just not the case. It's just not the case. Normal Jewish women don't have all of these things going on back in the first century or before that. And, and most of you don't either. They, they didn't have fields to buy. They didn't have money to buy it with, most Jewish women. They didn't have maidens to take care of and to direct. No, what we're looking at here, as we see, is from the perspective of the queen mother. She's talking about a woman who is an aristocrat. This is a woman who is well-to-do, a woman who is wealthy and influential, and she has money. But, but what we see here, the most important thing that I want us to pull out, the most important principle is her character. Her character is what is in view in this chapter. And her character is shaped by her fear of the Lord. And a lot of times we look at this text and we think, you know, well, my goodness, it seems like a lot of things to be lobbing at someone uh, an expectation. But here, this is this is not coming from man. This is coming from the queen mother and what her prayer would be for her son as he searches out for a wife. And so we look at this passage and my, my aim this morning is not to pile up all kinds of, of unrealistic expectations upon you, moms and wives. But the point of this proverb is, is not so much in the activities themselves, but it's, it's most focused upon the character qualities found in the woman of excellence. And those are the things that I want to highlight this morning. So my hope is that as we meet here this morning... We look at Proverbs 31, you won't leave despondent, right? My hope is that you will leave this morning with a sense of encouragement. When you begin to look and, and see what the scripture is saying and the principles that we find there and how those are characterizing your life because of the relationship that you have with Jesus Christ. And so that, that is the, the focus this morning. So at the beginning of the passage, at the beginning of the, the passage that we're looking at, verse 10, there's a question. There's a question. And that question is the guiding truth for the entire remaining portion of the book of Proverbs. Look what it says there. Verse 10. Who can find an excellent wife? Who can find an excellent wife? And he says, she is far more precious than jewels. This is the opening line. 
This is the most important truth found in this whole proverb. She is more precious than jewels. And let's be honest, I mean, all of us guys, before we were married, we were thinking about trying to find that that special someone. We're trying to find the excellent wife. That's what our goal is. That's the quest. We're out trying to find who is this woman that will bear my name, as though that's something really important. But who is this woman? I have to find her. I'm going to search her out. I'm looking for her. And all of you moms, even all of you dads, you're you're wondering, you're thinking, you want an excellent wife. Maybe you want an excellent husband for your child. This is the quest. This is the desire. You want to have this. Because an excellent wife is more precious than jewels. A woman of excellence is one who stands above all other women as being pure and noble and self-sacrificing and loving and caring. An excellent wife is more precious than jewels. And what this queen mother is saying is, is an excellent wife is more valuable than anything that the world can give you. An excellent wife is more valuable than riches. It's more, uh, an excellent wife is more valuable than money, more valuable than fame, than power, all of it. That's how precious you are to us. Extremely valuable. An excellent wife is more valuable than all riches. Why is that true? Why is that true? Look at verse 11, down in verse 12. It says, the heart of her husband... Trust in her. And he will have no lack of gain. She does him good and not harm all the days of her life. An excellent wife is more precious than jewels because she's trustworthy. Because she's she's good. A husband of an excellent wife doesn't have to worry about whether she's going to be home when he gets there. Or whether she has left him. He doesn't have to to worry that she's running him down in front of her friends. He doesn't have to wonder whether or not she actually cares about him. Because she makes it plain that she does. By the things that she says. By the way that she lives. The husband of an excellent wife. He's got it all. He's got it all. She's his best friend, his confidant, his partner in child rearing, his lover, his greatest supporter. An excellent wife is so very valuable to a husband because he can give his entire heart to her. He can be vulnerable with her. He can be open with her. And he knows that she wants to do good for him and not hurt him. And I have no doubt Ladies, that there are women of excellence in, his, in this room this morning. And the character qualities that we will find are very important. How is it then, how, how does it work out then in practical life? And that's what the remaining portion of this proverb teaches us. What does it look like for a woman to do good for her husband? What does it look like for her to take care of him and to love him and to be this, this model of excellence? Look down at verse 13 through 27. We're going to take uh, a little bit of a, a glimpse at this passage. And we're not going to go chronologically down through it. 
We're going to jump around just a little bit and glean some of those principles that I think are so very valuable uh, in, in this passage. And normally as I'm preaching, I don't use acronyms, but I wanted you to remember the things that I'm going to say today. So I decided to use an acronym. So hopefully you'll follow along with me. The first of this acronym, the acronym itself is JUUL, as you find there in verse 10. And so as we think about these character qualities that are so vital for mothers, for wives, um, the first of these is J, joyful, joyful. An excellent wife, an excellent mother is, is a woman of joy. Now, what's the difference between happiness and joy? What's the difference between happiness and joy? Our happiness is is usually dependent upon relationships. It's usually dependent upon a circumstance or an event or, or a possession, something that we have. And happiness goes away just as quickly as it comes many times. And the reason for that is because those things that we've tied our happiness to, those things also, they go away sometimes very quickly. So you think about how uh, receiving a gift of whatever it might be, it causes this kind of sense of happiness, but how quickly it dissipates when that thing becomes kind of old and it's not really new anymore. Or you begin to think about maybe a friendship. Uh, Someone comes to visit and you had this wonderful time and your heart is just filled with happiness and and you've had a a lot of laughing going on. You've enjoyed some good fellowship and then that person goes home. Maybe they live a long way away and there's that sense of sadness. So the happiness goes away. Why? Because it's tied specifically to that human relationship. Joy is different. Joy is different. Joy is not like happiness in that it's, it's it's not rooted in relationships that are human. It's not it's not rooted in circumstances or possessions. Joy is a deep sense of trust in the goodness of God. When we trust God to do what is good, we have joy knowing that he will bring about good in our lives even when we're struggling. So even when we're hurting, even when we're, we're, we're in pain, we, we trust in God and that overwhelming sense of God's goodness is translated to us in joy because even when we struggle, we're believing that God is good and that God is going to bring about good even in bad situations, even through painful situations. So the verse Romans 8.28, one that we often like to quote, this is where we find that truth. Romans 8 says, we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. And it doesn't mean that in all circumstances we find ourselves very happy. But it does mean that we can be joyful in all circumstances. Look at verse 25. It says, strength and dignity are her clothing and she laughs at the time to come. Strength and dignity are clothing and she laughs at the time to come. So because this woman fears the Lord, she has a, a different perspective on life. She has a different perspective. She's given strength. She's able to withstand difficult times. She's respectable. She's graceful. She's decent. And she laughs at the time to come. That's what it says. She laughs at the time to come. She's joyfully looking forward to the day when God's justice will reign on the earth. She doesn't worry in the face of adversity. Now she trusts in God who is good with a joyful heart. 
And this is, this could be you. One who is joyful, one who fears the Lord. And, and you, when you fear the Lord, you don't have to worry about what lies in the future. You don't have to worry about what will happen tomorrow. You don't have to worry about what will happen to your children. You can trust in God, believing that He is good and that He will bring about good in the lives of your children and even in your own life. So J is for joyful. The next letter, E, for enterprising. Now, if there was one character quality that, that just seems to be obvious throughout the reading of this particular proverb, it would have to be enterprising. I mean, look, look with me. Verse 13, she, she searches out wool and flax and works with her hands. Verse 15, she gets up early and prepares food for her family and servants. Verse 16, she researches the real estate market and buys a field. Verse 18 and 19, she makes clothing and sells it. This woman is productive. I mean, if there's anything you can say about her, she is enterprising. She is serious about working. She is productive. I mean, she's busy from sun up to sundown. And the life of a, a wife, and the life especially of a mother, it's a life of productivity, isn't it? It's a life of, of busyness. And a, a mother's job is never done. I'm reminded of that when I watch my own wife. Always working. Until she falls asleep. And I know that you're just like that. A mother's job is never done. You're continually working, continually guiding, continually teaching. And this is one of those qualities that we want to celebrate today. Because as husbands, moms, we're in awe of you. We don't know how you do it. And you're amazing to us to see you do all of the things that you do. To watch and see how you're so productive and the way that you uh, lead and teach the children. The way that you do all of the things that are in your job. Whether you work outside the home or inside the home. It's incredible to watch. To see the productivity that goes on in your life. And we want to honor you. We want to honor you. You help train our children to love the Lord. You provide a home that is welcoming and comfortable. You, you look for the best coupons. I don't do that. Save money. You support us. Husbands, even when we're like really not very thoughtful. You love us. And support us. I often look at mothers and wonder how in the world you do all the things that you do. But let that productivity, let that productivity not just be simply busyness. Because busyness for the sake of busyness really isn't that advantageous for the gospel. But your busyness, your productivity, root that in the glory of God. That's what Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31. He says, whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. So be productive for the glory of God. So joyful first. Enterprising. And then the W, wise. The excellent wife is wise and has understanding. Look at verse 16. It says she considers a field. She considers a field. She thinks about it. 
And this comment here just seems to indicate that she knows a good field when she sees it. I don't think I would know a good field when I saw it. But she looks and she sees a field. She considers it. She thinks about what would be necessary to make this uh, a harvestable field. A field that would be beneficial to the family. A field that would uh, produce good crops. That has good soil that would ensure a maximum harvest. She considers the field. Man, we would be foolish to think that our wives don't give us good counsel. And wise counsel. They have a tremendous amount of understanding. And I know all of us, we know that's true just by, by living with them. They look at things differently than we do from a different perspective. So when things seem a little bit foggy to us, oftentimes, let me say many times, they seem very clear to them. They're thoughtful and insightful. So the excellent wife is wise and, and has understanding. Look at verse 18. She perceives her merchandise as it is profitable. So she understands what it takes to accomplish a task. She looks at the things that she's making and she perceives that this is going to be a profitable endeavor. It's going to work out. She's contemplated it. She's researched it. She's thought through it. Verse 26. She opens her mouth with wisdom. And the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. Ladies, you may not think that you're the wisest woman in the room. But wisdom doesn't come with a diploma. Wisdom doesn't come because you've got specialized expertise in every single facet of life. Wisdom is knowledge applied through the Holy Spirit. Wisdom doesn't come when you search after it and then you somehow manipulate it and find it yourself. Wisdom comes from the Lord. Wisdom comes from God. He's the one that gives it. And God gives wisdom to those who long for Him. Who long for Him. Who long for it. Who ask for wisdom. And Solomon writes about this in chapter 2. In chapter 2 he says... In chapter 2 he says... If you call out for insight... And raise your voice for understanding. If you seek it like silver and search for it as for hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord. And find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom. From His mouth come knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk in integrity, guarding the paths of justice and watching over the ways of the saints. God gives wisdom to those who will ask for it. So if you don't think that you're the wisest person in the room, and I think that's probably all of us. I don't think Solomon's here with us this morning. We desire wisdom. Search after it. Long for it. Ask God for wisdom. So an excellent wife is, is joyful, is enterprising, is wise. And next, she is expressive. She's expressive. Expressive and creative. Look at all the things that this woman makes in this passage. It's incredible. She, she prepares food. She plants vineyards. She creates clothing. She makes bed coverings. She's imaginative. She's imaginative. She's expressive. 
She thinks about how she can take and all of the things that she's gifted with and bless her family. That's what she's thinking about. And creativity doesn't always look the same, ladies. It doesn't always look the same. Some of you are amazing decorators for your home. And you, you create an environment that is welcoming and inviting. Maybe you're gifted hospitality and, and you love to cook for people. And you're awesome at cooking. And you love to have people into your home so that you can entertain and you can fellowship. And that's your gift. Maybe, maybe you're, you're crafty. Not in the satanic sense. But maybe you're crafty. Like you actually make crafts. You're awesome at it. Maybe you're thrifty. And your skills help the family budget so that you can be more focused on the gospel and more missional in your giving. Maybe your gift is teaching and, 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 and leading other ladies in discipleship. Or, or maybe it's, it's teaching children and you're awesome at it. And you're leading this next generation to follow after Jesus Christ. Maybe that's your gift. Or maybe you're a good leader or hard worker at your workplace. And those around you see that you're creative and you're energized to work hard. And you inspire those whom you work with to do a better job. God has given you all certain gifts. God has given you all certain gifts. Express them for the glory of God. So an excellent wife is of utmost value because she's joyful, enterprising, wise, expressive, and finally, loving. Loving. Look at the words from the proverb, down in verse 20. It says, she opens her hand to the poor and reaches out her hands to the needy. 27. She looks well to the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. So the excellent wife, the excellent mother is a model of compassion and love. She cares about other people more than she cares about herself. She models that great commandment that that Jesus tells the scribe in Mark chapter 12 where he says to the scribe, You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, and with all of your strength. And the second great commandment is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And the way that you care for the stranger, the way that you care for your neighbor or your co-worker, reflects the love of God in your life. And the way that you tenderly care for your children, show compassion to them, nurture them, your children, your grandchildren, your great-grandchildren, it displays a thankfulness that you have to God for the blessings in your life. So an excellent wife is more valuable than riches because she can be fully trusted. She's reliable. And she does good to her husband. And the ways that she does this are with a joyful spirit, enterprising work, wise counsel, expressive personality, loving actions. Well, then what is the result? What is the result? Well, look down at verse 28. It says, her children rise up and call her blessed. Her husband also, and he praises her saying, many women have done excellently, but you surpass them all. The result of being a godly mom can have great rewards. Can have great rewards. George Washington said this of his mother. 
He said, my mom, my mother was the most beautiful woman I ever saw. All I am, I owe to my mother. I attribute my success in life to the moral, intellectual, and physical education I received from her. The greatest football players, when they get on television, what do they say? Thanks, Mom. Mom? Not Dad. (laughs) Thanks, Mom. Abraham Lincoln. Speaking about his mother, he says, No man is poor. Who has a godly mother? And that husband that sits next next to you, that trusts you completely, the one whom you're constantly watching out for, for his good, he sees you as surpassing all women. In his eyes, you are the most lovely. The most precious, the most wonderful, self-sacrificing, kind woman he's ever known. And the danger in our culture, the danger in our culture is that you will not see these things as the most important. Our culture wants you to be concerned more so with your, your body image or the allure that you can give off or the... The cleverness that you have with your speech. I want you to consider those things more valuable than your character. But don't be sucked into that lie. What does the proverb say? Look at verse 30. Charm is deceitful. And beauty is vain. But a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. May your relationship with God make you into jewels to your husbands and to your children. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for all of the mothers in this room. I thank you for all of the wives who are in this room. I thank you for the ways that they have displayed these character qualities. And I pray that your spirit would encourage them to pursue these qualities over all the things that the world says they ought to pursue. And God, I pray that you would help them to see that they cannot do this in their own strength. But that the ground that they stand upon when seeking after excellence is a real relationship with you. Teach them to be women who fear the Lord. And God, I pray for all of us who stand in amazement about who they are and what they are able to accomplish and the beautiful way in which they lead and teach and love. God, help us to support them. To lovingly encourage them with our words and to demonstrate how we love them above all others by the actions that we perform. We pray all of these things in Jesus' name and for His sake. Amen.